I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to it, everybody. It is another Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. As always, it's Ian Mendes and Sean McIndoo with you in this slot. And on this show, we'll talk about uh, Sean's most intriguing players to watch in the upcoming NHL season, as well as uh, which fan bases should be optimistic or maybe pessimistic about their teams heading into the regular season. Dress codes for NHL players. It's back in the spotlight, too. We'll have some fun with that. We'll also invite our listeners into our fantasy hockey pool as part of our uh, deal with office pools. And uh, we're going to have some fun going head-to-head with our listeners on that. So if you haven't uh, heard about this, uh, we're going to tell you about that. We're going to open up the mailbag, maybe talk about renaming some NHL trophies, as well as a what-if from the 2006 Stanley Cup Final. And this week in hockey history, we look back at a forgotten outdoor game and an important rule change from way back in the 1920s. Uh, as we kick off this uh, episode of the podcast, we'll let people know that we're actually going to give Jesse Granger the week off. Um, so no Granger things brought to you by our good friends at BetMGM. We're going to give Jesse the week off, but I'm sure next week and uh, next couple of weeks as we get into the regular season, he's going to have all sorts of fun prop bets and lines for us to analyze. But as we kick off this show, Sean, we're on the precipice of hitting October. The calendar's about to hit to uh, October the 1st. And you know what that means? All or nothing. The Leafs Amazon Prime Series rolls out on Friday. 
I need to know, have you read any, because there's a lot of people who have seen the whole thing. Maybe you have too. I don't know. Maybe they gave you an advanced copy, but a bunch of people have seen it. Have you read anything, any spoilers? Are you going into this not knowing what's going on? No, I've, uh, first of all, I haven't seen it. They, they, for some, my copy must've got lost in the mail, uh, for, for whatever reason I, I did not get the advanced version. And, and I said before, I think on this show, I was kind of so, so on whether I was even going to watch because, uh, for a couple of reasons, first of all, we all know the deal with it, this behind the scenes stuff. Sometimes it's great and you get a ton of insights and it, it, it can be, fascinating stuff it can make new fans it's it's been done really well and sometimes it just feels like marketing and it just feels like you're getting a very scrubbed version and it's uh it's it, it can still have its moments but uh you know i i don't know i i don't go out of my way to watch that stuff with this one and you know because it's my team uh when i first heard about it i thought this is gonna be great i i can't wait another year until this thing comes out Knowing how the story ends, though, I don't know that I'm I'm really all that eager to to go back and revisit it. So I have I've read the reviews. I, we had one on on our site on the Athletic. Uh, uh, Jonas Siegel took a look at it, and and I've seen a few others, and and mostly the reviews have been pretty good. Um, the, the there are certainly apparently some moments that are that are going to be interesting to to fans, uh, and maybe even to people who aren't hockey fans. Um, that said, I, I put it this way. I'm not making a day of it tomorrow to to get up to crack of dawn and, and start binging this thing uh, because I know how it ends. And I, I, I'm like, I think a lot of Leaf fans in that it, the idea of going back to last season, given how it ended, it's just not something we have a ton of interest in. The, the faster we can forget about that, the better. And uh, if if that means that I miss out on a couple moments, I'm sure that I'm sure anything that's really especially memorable will bubble up to social media and that sort of thing but uh you know to, to sit down and invest a few hours revisiting one of the most disappointing seasons in my sports fan uh existence i i don't know uh how eager i'm gonna be to do that yeah like you're right because i think there's a lot of people who aren't leafs fan the, the toronto maple leafs are one of those polarizing franchises that I think there's going to be a whole bunch of non-Leafs fans who are going to have a big old bag of popcorn and be sitting sure. down and be like, "I give me, you know, inject this into my veins. Um, but, like, when you see all the heart, like, would you have wanted to, like, so when I think of the Leafs heartbreak, I think of that 2013 meltdown in Boston. Like, would you have wanted to see, after the fact, a behind-the-scenes kind of what happened in and around, like, if they had cameras with unfettered access, third period, like going into intermission after the game, like, would you have wanted that? Or you're like, no, you know what this, I don't ever want to hear about this again. Yeah. I mean that you said the key word, which is unfettered access. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You, you've given me everything. Uh, then by all, by all means, I would want to see that. Uh, and you know, the same with this. Now, my understanding with this Amazon series of, of the Leafs is that it pretty much ends with game seven. Uh, you know, it, it was meant to capture, their chase for the cup. And as soon as it ends, that's pretty much the end of it. I, I would have liked to have seen it go on into the off season. I would have loved to have seen the, the postmortems and the, you know, but give me unfettered access to that first conversation between Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe and Brandon Shanahan after game seven. And absolutely. I, that's what I want to see, but you're not going to get that on this sort of thing. I mean, and, and, and realistically, 
as much as we might like to see it, it we we probably shouldn't. You know, there there in fact some of the reviews that I've seen have said there are moments in this series where it, it feels like the people involved are aware that the cameras are there and they're maybe holding back or they're not going, you know, yeah. it, which, which of course it's human nature. You're, you're going to do that. I'll tell you what really fascinates me is, you know, there's, there's been all this talk of our Leaf fans going to watch or hockey fans going to watch. I want to see if this gains any traction outside of the hockey world, because we've, we've seen that. What is it? The, is, is it F1 where there's yes. this, this docuseries and I haven't watched, but I have seen just a ton of people say, Man, I had no interest in car racing. None. And yet I watched this. It was a great series. And now I'm interested. You know, now I'm, I find myself yeah. sitting down on the weekend. I'm watching races. And I'm like, I know that guy. I know that team. I know this situation. I would love to know if that's going to happen in hockey for, for non-hockey fans. If anyone is going to stumble on this and, and be like, oh, my gosh, there's this team with this super long championship drought. And this is the year where it's all come together. And they're going to face their biggest rival. And I don't know how it turns out. I can't wait to watch. I would love to see that. I would love to see those people sitting down going, oh, this is the last episode. I bet you this is where they're going to win and it's all going to come. And then what happens happens and, and uh, you know, see, see that reaction. I'm, I'm fascinated to know if, if we get any of that. Look, if you're a Leafs fan and you want to watch, by all means, go ahead. Let me know how it is. Um, I, I may at some point sit down and, and give it a look, but not on day one. It's, it's too, uh, you know, it's, it's still, uh, it's, it's still too fresh in our minds that, uh, you know, the way that ended and, and, and the season was so disappointing that it's one of those things where even the fun stuff, I, I gotta be, I don't want to see Mitch Marner like playing PlayStation. I don't want to see Austin (laughs) Matthews going golfing. Like I'm I'm not, you know, I'm I'm just at the point where I'm like, you guys should be practicing, get back in the gym or getting, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that, but that also might be a me thing. Uh, I'm sure some people will enjoy it and I encourage him to, to do so. Well, you mentioned Mitch Marner. He makes it onto your list of uh, kind of intriguing players to watch. And let's, let's talk about your column this week, because, uh, this is something you've done now last couple of years. You kind of look at who are the most, and this isn't a list of who's going to be the best or who's going to be the worst. It's just like, who's the most interesting, like who's got the best storylines kind of swirling around them. And what I want to know from you is, uh, you know, obviously with your pieces, you get a lot of uh, feedback in the comment section. Was there like, was there like one or two names that repeatedly came up that, that hockey fans were like, oh man, Sean, this guy should have made your list of 22 uh, intriguing players to, uh, to watch. Like you missed on, on this guy. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that the people are saying I missed the, the, the one thing that I make clear, I think in this piece every year when I write it is I'm building out a roster. I'm putting 22 names on and I've got uh, 10 honorable mentions. That's 32. I'm going one player, one name per team. That's it. One per team. And some people either, you know, miss that or skip over it and they go, okay, yeah, yeah. You said this guy from my team, but what about this guy? What about this guy? What about this guy? My team is so interesting. I've got all these. And of course, every fan thinks their team is the most interesting one. Uh, so there, there weren't necessarily people saying you missed on this, but it was the, what about this guy, uh, question. And, and yeah, I mean, there were certainly some teams that are tougher than others to narrow it down to one guy. Uh, and the the team for me that was maybe the toughest of all of them was the, the Blackhawks because you've got the, the guy I ended up picking with Seth Jones, not a especially controversial pick. I wouldn't think you've got a guy who's 
He comes over. It's a big trade. Signs this massive contract. The contract doesn't even kick in until next season. So you know, he, you've got this year where he's he's in a new you know new team, new role. Wasn't very good last year. We all expect him, or I think a lot of us expect him to rebound and, and get back to that top level that he's been at. But what if he doesn't? What if he has another year like last year? And now he's in. You know, he, now you're sitting there going, this contract hasn't even started yet, and. We got eight years committed to this guy at this massive price tag, and he's not playing well. Boy, we may have really made a, a, a big mistake, and there's going to be panic in Chicago if that happens. Or flip side, he gets back into the Norris conversation, and Chicago's sitting there going, "We got our guy for the next decade. This is beautiful. We've, uh, you know, the the, uh, the 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 Hawks are back." So that was my pick from Chicago. But you look down the rest of that roster. Yeah, I mean, Mark Andre Fleury. Right. I mean, we're all fascinated to see what happens here. This guy, the reigning Vezina winner comes over, you know, how's he going to play? Uh, Jonathan Taves is back. Yeah. You're, I mean, you, you talk about a great storyline. This, this guy's, you know, going to be probably the comeback player of the year. You, we're all rooting for him. Played his first game last night. Um, you know, we all want to watch him. So right there, that's three really big names uh, from from one team. And then, you know, you could go go down the list and, and pick other guys. I haven't even mentioned Patrick Kane, who's, of course, always one of the more interesting guys out there. Uh, so that was one. There were, uh, you know, the the Sharks are another one where, you know, I I had I mentioned Thomas Hurdle because we don't know his situation. He's talked about, you know, maybe, maybe it's time to move on. We'll see. Maybe he could be trade bait during the year. But obviously, you go down that roster, lots of big names, uh, lots of guys, you know, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, can can they rebound? The whole Evander Kane mess, we don't even know what's happening there. Uh, so that was another team where narrowing it down really, really became tricky. And, and you know, every, like I say, every fan base knows their team really well. And they can all say, hey, what about this guy? What about that? This obscure guy, this guy's on a PTO. It might be, you know, the end of his career. There's all different ways you can go. Um, I got to say, for a league where a lot of times we go, oh, there's not a lot of great storylines. It's hard to narrow it down uh, when you're you're yeah. talking individual names because there there is a there there's so many unknowns going into this year. There's a lot of different angles and a lot of different ways this could go. You know, I, as you talk about teams that have multiple guys that are interesting, I, the Florida Panthers jumped to mind for me because uh, you, you know Aaron Eckblad's coming back off an injury and was kind of you know potentially having an, an a, a elite season. There's the Bobrovsky, Spencer Knight. There's Barkov going in the last year of UFA. But the guy you went with was Mackenzie Weger. And I want to talk about him for a second. Okay, I want, first of all, I need to peel back the curtain a little bit here for our listeners who may not realize that both Sean and I live in the same neighborhood, right? You and I live in the same neighborhood mm-hmm. in Ottawa. Did you realize Mackenzie Weger was our neighbor for years? Like I Mackenzie Weger grew up in our neighborhood. No, Mackenzie Weger went to school around the corner from you and I. And I feel like, this is not something we've talked about. Like you could have been grocery shopping and Mackenzie Weger like 10 years ago, this, you know, whatever, 14, 13 year old kid. You might've been in front of line with him at the grocery store. You probably crossed paths with Mackenzie Weger and you didn't even know it. He was your neighbor. How about that? This, I this is absolutely news to me. I can, uh, I, I did not know this. It did not influence my pick, but no, that's, that's very good. There's some, Kenzie Weger probably skateboarded in front of my car, and I shook my yeah. fist at him and told him get off the road. That's uh, that's yeah. good to know. No, I, I had not uh, I had not realized that. 
but and you know we kind of talked about this with uh, Jesse Granger last week and you know he is a real like I love the I'm all in on the Panthers I really think that they are Stanley Cup ready is if they get the goaltending whether it's Bobrovsky or Spencer Knight they are in my opinion Stanley Cup ready like what do you like about like Mackenzie Weger as like a dark horse because I I think it's interesting that you brought this up in your column. Like when Adam Fox won the Norris, he didn't follow the traditional path, which is, you know, show me for five years you can be an elite defender, then maybe we'll open yep. up our mind. Like maybe Mackenzie Weger, maybe the door was kind of ajar for Mackenzie Weger thanks to Adam Fox. And look, it's it's one of these things where Mackenzie Weger's a guy that for the last couple of years that name started to come up more and more among kind of the analytic minded folks uh and you know initially it was sort of uh you know th- this guy's this this is a guy that you probably don't know but he's better than you think and i remember a couple of years ago there was anytime there were trade talks with the panthers you always see people going try to get Uyghur. he's you know that that's a guy that you can maybe maybe pull some value from and then last year it sort of went from hey this is a guy you don't know who's better than you think to this is a guy you do know but he's a lot better than you He's he's maybe a top tier guy, and and look, we've we've seen analytics people say that about some guys where it, the breakthrough just never seemed to happen. We've also seen them be ahead of the curve on on guys, and you know I'm going to be real honest. I'm not I'm I'm a national columnist. I cover the entire NHL. I'm not going to sit here and act like I've seen dozens of Florida Panthers games every year. Like I'm sitting down and breaking down film on the Florida Panthers. So when it comes to Mackenzie Weger. I'm kind of taking other people's word for it a little bit. And this is one of those situations where I, I sort of want to focus a little bit more on seeing this with my own eyes and just kind of seeing what's there and, and watching this guy. Because it feels like at this point, the the secret is out. I mean, this is this is no longer a, a situation where it's a, um, you know, it's 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 a no name, but it's it's a guy who uh, probably at least according to the smart people, doesn't get the credit that he deserves. So, you know, he was my pick from the Panthers, but you're right. There's a ton of other guys, especially those two goaltenders. I mean, you know, if Sergei Bobrovsky can get back to Vezina form, the Panthers jump right to the top of the list. But he hasn't been there in a couple of years, and you got Spencer Knight, and what do you do if Spencer Knight's outplaying your $10 million guy? I mean, do you do you make that switch? Do you put that pressure on the young guy? Do you hope it's platoon? What does Sergei Bobrovsky even do if he's sitting on the bench for six or seven straight games uh, because he's getting outplayed by by this rookie. Uh, it's it's going to be very interesting. There's a lot of ways that, that can go. Um, but I'm with you. I think this this Panthers team is is really good. And you mentioned Aaron Ekblad because I feel like we all kind of forgot that Ekblad was out for the playoffs last year. It was a disappointing disappointment in the sense that in how that series of the Lightning went. But they were missing their number one defenseman. So uh, yeah, real, real good team and a lot of potentially good stories coming from a, a team in a market that a lot of us tend to kind of write off and we shouldn't this year. Yeah, I, I still think the best illustration of how under the radar Mackenzie Weger is, is the fact that he was your neighbor for years and that's you right. didn't even realize it. That's, that's how you know <laughs> yeah, the guy never, is a dark horse candidate. I never noticed. Yeah. Uh, hey, I want to talk to you a little bit about goaltending too, because I, I quite frankly, let's be honest here, like probably for 15 teams in the league. You could pick their goalie as like the guy, right? As the most intriguing and a lot of their success hinges on it. I want to ask you, because we're going to be talking about uh, some fantasy hockey coming up with our officepools.com, uh, you know, fun listener contest. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw two names at you and they're kind of connected. And I want to know if you had to pick 
one of these goalies for your fantasy hockey team this season, and your options are Matt Murray from Ottawa or Tristan Jarry from Pittsburgh, who are you taking? Yeah, that's... Um, first of all, I'm looking at the waiver wire to see if there's any other any other options. I, I mean, I'm probably going Jerry because most uh, you know most fantasy pools are still based on wins, and I I think the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, are going to win probably significantly more games than the Senators, although that's not necessarily a sure thing. Um, but it is interesting because you know when whenever you're looking at you know who do I take, who do I trust. Uh, you're looking at the overall numbers, of course, but the recency bias does kick in here. And you think, you know, what's what do I remember? What was my last impression of of this guy? And Matt Murray, who did not have a very good year last year, and, and his numbers were were quite poor, but like the rest of the senators, pretty good down the stretch. You know, there there was that that last kick of the you know the last uh, three weeks or so of the season where the senators were playing really well, and Matt Murray was part of that. Versus Tristan Jari, our last memory of him in the playoffs, giving up goals in overtime, uh, coughing up the puck, all of that stuff. Not very good. Um, I'm not sure which one of those guys is the better goalie. I think Jari is certainly in a better situation, so he's probably my pick. Um, it, but I've, if I'm picking one of those two guys in my fantasy pool, something's gone real wrong for me in the in the draft. I I, I clearly missed the draft and got set to uh, auto pick. And uh, <laughs> digging my way out. Not that that would ever happen. Anyway. No, not that that happened to me. <laughs> okay. So last guy I want to talk about that made your list is Patrick Line. And I'm, I, boy, I don't know what to make of Patrick Line. Like he came in early in his career, I think his sophomore season, right? Had the, the, the four, whatever, the, the, the 40 goal mm-hmm. season. And he would be like, he would just be torrid, hot, right? He would go, you know, three or four goals in a game and then two weeks without a goal, whatever. And I'm still trying to figure out what Patrick Laine is. So if I ask you the question, like, do we lock it? Like, is Patrick Laine a legitimate 30-goal guy? No questions asked. Uh, like, what is he right now? Yeah, that, I mean, it's it's a fair question because you're right. Uh, year two, you were looking at this guy going, this guy's going to win multiple Rocket Richards. This is the yep. second coming to an extent of like the Alexander Ovechkin sort. And that's not to say he's going to score 700 plus goals, but this guy who's just got that bullet shot. Yes. You know, we, there's questions of other aspects of his game, but the hardest thing to do in all of the NHL is to score goals. And some guys just have an instinct for it. And, and some guys you just see the eyes light up when, when that goal scoring chance comes around and, and he can get that shot off from anywhere and it's dangerous anywhere he gets it. And the last few years, it just, it just hasn't happened. And yeah, I mean, part of it is he's streaky, but you know, here's a secret. Every great offensive player is streaky. Unless you're Connor McDavid and you're just good all the time, everybody is streaky to some extent. You just notice it when it, you have guys, and Liney's one of those guys, who when the puck isn't going in, there's not a lot else happening. There's there's not other aspects that are, are really making up for it. And um, yeah, is he a 30 goal scorer? No questions asked. I would say yes, in the sense that just on pure talent, he's going to score 30 goals every year, probably should be scoring 40, maybe more than that should have a few 50 goal years in, in his, in his future. The question is what else can he do? What else, what other aspects of his game are going to either elevate or not? And 
do all of the potential deficiencies everywhere else in his game at some point add up to something that overwhelms the goal scoring he can do and suddenly he's maybe not in the lineup or not as high in the lineup as as he can be. I mean, that you put this guy in your first line, he's going to score 30 goals every yep. year if he stays healthy. But the question is, are you willing to put him on that first line and keep him there? Or at some point as a coach, do you say, you know what, I got to work with this guy and I, I got to get through to him somehow and suddenly the ice time is down and maybe he's not getting the power play the, the, the way he's used to. We saw it to some extent with John Tortorella. We all figured we would see with John Tortorella. As soon as that trade happened, everybody went, well, line A Tortorella. Let's see how that goes. Um, we saw how it went. Not great. Um, so now it's Brad Larson's turn. And this is, his, you know, three coaches in three years. At some point, if, if, uh, if it doesn't work with Brad Larson, maybe it's not the coaches. So uh, I think we're all kind of watching this. Liney had, you know, part of the reason he made my list is he, you know, he had those comments where he was like, look, I was really bad last year. Yeah. He was, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't hold back. Um, and sometimes when you hear a player say that it gets your attention, you think, okay, this, this guy's, he's got it. It's clicked now. Um, I don't know if it has, we'll see with, with Patrick Liney, if it does, if, if, if it ever does all click together and, you know, both in terms of what he wants to be and, and just the maturity and everything on and off the ice, um, He's still got that goal scoring talent that you just, you can't teach what he's got and he could be a really dangerous player and a guy that you can still, you can build a team around, but if it doesn't and he's either content or just can only be a guy that can score goals and doesn't do anything else, then I think that career could go on a lot of different paths. You know, I, can I just talk for one second? And this is a podcast, so I know we can kind of casually swear here. Can we just talk for a second how much I appreciate European players just casually dropping the word shit in yep. the quotes? Like, ah, oh, we were shit tonight. We're like, oh my God, we run to our phone, we tweet it out. And it's, yep. it's like, you know, it's amazing. I love it. Like, it's yep. the best thing ever. Yeah they, yeah, they don't, they didn't get the same memo that these yeah. North American got where it's like <laughs> 60 minutes on the ice of just every horrible word you have ever heard. And then yeah. they get there and they're like, oh, we need to up the effort level a little bit. And you're like, yeah. hey, is that really? Was, it, <laughs> was that what you guys talked about behind closed doors? Yeah. Uh, hey, listen, like, uh, Columbus fans, as we talk about Patrick Lyon, I think if you talk to a lot of Columbus fans, they they know that they're probably in for a tough season, right? Like, you look at Columbus, and I think the way that they are and the way that they're constructed, they might very well be a bottom five team in, in the league this season. I think it's really interesting because Sean Gentile has a uh, a poll going out for fans right now, and it's called the Hope-O-Meter, basically asking fans, and it's a either-or scenario. Either you are optimistic and hopeful about your team, or you're pessimistic. I want to know, Sean, like how many how many fan bases are going to end up skewing kind of positive? Because I feel like by our very nature as hockey fans, we're cynical, we're pessimistic, we're doom and gloom. Like we're like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Like out of the 32 teams, how many do you think are going to end up skewing somewhat positive in their, their optimism level for this season? I, You know what? I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be the majority. I, yep, I'm going to put the number at about 20. That'll be that many. That'll be optimistic. Yeah, I know. Really? And it seems it seems high to me. But here's the thing. I mean, first of all, there's there's a lot of teams in the league that are just good teams, and uh, you know they're they're clearly you know Vegas, Tampa, Colorado. You, you know they're going to say you would imagine that they're hopeful. I can't I can't imagine. Maybe the Leafs will be the one like top 10 team that fans will say no, we're not optimistic, uh, but. Uh, you know, that, that should get you a good amount. And then, 
the the one thing is there's always there's going to be some teams that are on the on the borderline um but i that i think fans will will maybe give the benefit of the doubt and then you get into the teams where change is happening either because they're rebuilding or they brought in the new gm the new coach that does in sports tend to buy you a little bit of time that gives you a little bit of the optimism where you say okay we're resetting we're get a bit of a clean slate in one way or another yes i'm hopeful for the future even if i think that the team right. might stink this year because because that'll be a category right there's there's fan bases out there that go oh we're going to be bad this year but we're hopeful for the future you know i i most uh in my experience most detroit fans for example would fall into that category a lot of them are going no we're of course we're not going to make the playoffs this year but we got steve eiserman we're on the right track pieces are being put in place we feel good about this uh ottawa where we are um i think maybe there's there's a bit higher expectation as far as the playoffs but I, I wouldn't say that most of the fan base thinks it's it's likely, but again, optimism. Lots of young play, uh, pieces put in place. Talk to us two or three years down the line, but you know we we feel good about that. So I, I think between the teams that are legitimately good and the teams that aren't there, uh, I think I think it'll be in the the fifteen to twenty range, slightly above uh, above uh, the fifty percent mark or close to it. Final answer. Yeah, and you know your column. And you clearly that, don't, right? You're like you. You seem like you. I you don't think know. We're I, be- I feel like twenty are going to be negative. Maybe we'll get maybe ten that are like, yeah, I feel pretty good. Like I, I do think oh. a team like mm-hmm. Toronto. Even like I wonder about like fans of Pittsburgh, Boston, Washington that have been perennial contenders, but now you're like, uh, are they going to fall off a cliff? The California teams, like I, I don't know. I'm not seeing very many teams that have like legitimate championship aspiration so it's at like calgary like i, I don't know yeah. like it, it, nashville like there's a whole Wait, bunch I mean, of teams what's, in the- what's edmonton gonna think right i mean dude, that fan base has been so oh. battered uh it is it, i mean I, I think the one saving grace for for team optimism might be that you know sean left it very vague he, he was just he sort did. of like yeah. you know yeah do you have yeah. hope you know do you uh, yes or no in fact it was funny because i read the comments and a lot of people were like did, did my form get cut off like i thought there were gonna be more questions <laughs> exactly. it's just one and it's question. not it's like what's your team do you have hope yes or no and that can mean different things right like yeah. if you're uh if you're a boston fan you might be sitting there going yeah boy this could be bergeron's last year marchand's getting up there we don't know about you know this or that but we're still good this year so yeah i have hope for this year and then you know you turn around and some kings fan is going yeah, we're not going to be good this year, but we got all these prospects, all these pieces coming in. I have hope because my hope is for a few years down the line. I think certainly if if, if he had said, do you have hope you can win the cup this year, then you're right. The, then right. We, we see the numbers plunge. But uh, I think the fact that he left it open ended, it'll be, we'll see. Because I'm kind of taking, this is this is unusual ground for me. I'm kind of taking the optimistic, yeah, you know, what's like going the, on here? the rose-colored glasses view of of the hockey world. And uh, I, I will have to see how it turns out because you're, you're kind of talking me into the fact that, yeah, maybe this is, maybe I'm going a little bit uh, um, too optimistic. You know, I, I think what, what was interesting too, like Dom Luchichin wrote his, you know, he's kind of every day he's dropping his, his season previews and it's two by two. I always joke, Dom is like the grim reaper where like you're wait, every day you wake up, you're like, is mm-hmm. today the day that yep. my team ends up in Dom's uh uh, you know, preseason rankings, a team like Ottawa, for example, I know the fan base was pretty upset to see that they were projected to be bottom five. Um, Vancouver's in there. And so you kind of wrote a column. It's funny. Cause I, that's my column for tomorrow that I'm hoping to write 
Um, unless they sign Brady Kachuk, and then maybe I have to shift gears. But yeah. I kind of one of the things I want to do is like go through Dom's preseason, uh, you know, projection for Ottawa and, and look for some of the positivity because you know fans are looking for hope, right? You don't want all. Uh, as I told Dom, I was like, it's all Dom and gloom is, is nice. what I said to him. And yep. He appreciated that. But I think it's interesting. Your column today was like, hey, if you're a fan of the teams that ended up in the bottom 10 in Dom's rankings, like he, here is, is this a new down goes Brown, by the way? Is this, are you just injecting? No, this is, this is my one, this thing? is my one for the week. I'm getting it all out yeah. of my system and then it's yeah. going to be just all, uh, all misery for the rest of the way. No, but it, this is, this is a, it's another piece that I've done kind of, uh, every year. And it was sort of inspired by uh, just every, not every year, but every now and then we see teams that kind of come out of nowhere where everybody agreed that they were going to be bad. And then next thing you know, they're not just, not just good in the sense of like, oh, they're hanging in the playoff mix a little better than we thought, but they're capital G good. And, you know, the most famous example is probably the Golden Knights in their expansion year. Uh, you can you can retcon the history all you want. Nobody thought they were going to be good. We've talked about that with Jesse, uh, the odds makers, the experts. Everybody thought this team was going to be pretty bad. And then they they go all the way to the Stanley Cup final. The maybe the most classic example was the year before that, the Islanders, where they had just lost John Tavares. And I remember I think it was uh, I think it was Deadspin had their the the headline on their season preview article was ranking every NHL team from best to Islanders. And that's how bad the Islanders were expected. Everybody was just like, well, this is it. They, you know, they'll get Jack Hughes and, uh, you know, they can move on from there. But Barry Trotz comes in and the Islanders have been one of the best, most consistent teams ever since. So p- part of this is optimism and part of this is me like desperately trying to call a shot on one of these teams. I figure if I take the 10 worst teams and I make the argument that they're going to be good, some year I'll be right. And I'll be able to sit back and go like, oh, you know, at the end of this year when people are going, nobody thought the Sabres would be good. And I can put my hand up and go, oh, wait a second. I did, as well as nine other teams that I was wrong about. So I, I try this every year. I've been trying it for the last few years. Uh, honestly, hasn't gone super well. <laughs> the The bottom of the league has been a lot more predictable and consistent over the last few years. And, and maybe it will be again. But I'm if you're a fan of one of those bad teams and Dom made you sad, check out my piece because it's yeah. I'm I'm doing my best. It's much harder for some teams than others. I'm trying not to get condescending and insult anyone's intelligence, but I'm 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 desperately searching for an angle for these teams where maybe, just maybe, they can be a lot better than we think. I, I want to hit on one other um uh, kind of interesting story before we we'll, we'll talk about our fun. Uh, fantasy hockey pool that we've got against the listeners and and uh, and some of the other uh, this week in hockey history and uh, mailbag stuff. I want to talk about something that uh, Emily Kaplan, our colleague, wrote over at ESPN that dropped on Thursday. And so they did a survey of all 32 teams in the NHL, Sean, and only one team has a plan to fully relax their dress code for players. So if for the listeners, if you've watched NHL games over the years, whether, uh, you know, um, in Canada, the United States, there's always that shot of the players coming in off the bus and they're all wearing suit and ties, right? Like it's just, yep. they, they all look the same, except during the bubble, uh, the NHL kind of relaxed the dress code. So we thought maybe we're at this point where we're going to see a more relaxed dress code. Uh, the CBA actually outlines how players have to dress. And the NHL is the only team in the big four sports that kind of spells out a very... Uh, strict dress 
uh, code for game day. And it says players are required to wear jackets, ties, and dress pants to all games. Uh, and while they're traveling, unless, and here's the big caveat, unless otherwise specified by the head coach or general manager. So ESPN does a survey of all the teams. And guess what? Arizona is the only team that is going to relax their game day dress code. So Jacob Chikrin, you can roll in however you'd like. Um, <laughs> uh, Phil Kessel? Phil Come on Kessel, in. that's Sweatpants. right. And, and the other 19 guys in the Coyotes whose names we have to learn. Yeah, yeah exactly. you're good. Yeah. I want to see what Phil's going to wear. That's he he's most likely to be like this roll in with uh sweatpants or maybe like a hot dog t-shirt, right? Like yeah, he's, he's got to do the hot dog costume yeah. from I think you should leave. He's got to oh, like just show up fully decked out in that. Um <laughs> You know what? Good for the Coyotes. Good good for the Coyotes cuz I first of all, I was surprised to learn that it was in the CBA. I I kind of assumed that this was just one of those unwritten hockey rules and you know to to find out that it's actually there in the cba surprised me but as you say it's it's there but it says teams are allowed to just ignore it and yeah good for the coyotes this is a team a young team relatively new gm new coach you're trying to make an impact in the market again it's it's about showing a little bit of personality and i'm not somebody who really cares about a lot of this stuff whether it's Hockey or any other sport, you know, when you get the, you see, you see a photo go around on social media, look what the quarterback wore, look what this guy wore to the game. And I'm always kind of like, yeah, so what? But it, it is anything that breaks this idea in hockey that we are just one hive mind and everybody, it is just the team and there are no individuals. And we're all like, you know, if, if that means somebody gets to wear, uh, you know, something that's a little bit more outlandish or, or not, if so, you know, somebody it just wants to dial it back. Let them show that a little bit. I'm fine with it. I don't think that's the secret to unlocking hockey's popularity. I don't think it's some marketing bonanza if we let Austin Matthews wear his, you know, crazy Final Fantasy costume or whatever he was on the magazine cover with a few years ago. Um, I don't think that's, you know, that's that's going to be a major breakthrough, but every little bit helps. And good for the, you know, again, good for the Coyotes. That's that's what teams like that should be doing. We've seen it kind of with Vegas and their game day stuff. You're not a traditional team. You're not the, the Habs or the Leafs or someone who's beholden to history and tradition. Yeah. Have some fun. Break out of it. Carolina's done a great job with that, too. Um, you know, uh, show a little bit of personality. Show a little bit of something. Show that you can be a bit different. Um, why not? What have you got to lose? Any chance Lou Lamorello breaks from this? <laughs> There's it's- absolutely no chance. That will be the last one yeah. For sure. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
All right, Sean, it's time. I talked about this with Haley on uh, on the Monday episode of the podcast, but we got a fun uh, little uh, listener versus uh, hosts versus I think our producers are going to be part of this. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is the Athletic Hockey Pool powered by our uh, friends over at officepools.com. So uh, there's going to be a link for our listeners it directly where you get your uh, podcast from. You'll get a direct link to the pool. But if you, if you don't want to do that, you can just listen to me right here. Go to officepools.com and sign up to join the athletic hockey pool. You're going to make your picks and you're going to go head to head with us. So we're all going to have our own teams. This is going to be a lot of fun. And the way that this is done, Sean, is it's one of those box pools, meaning there's uh, a bunch of boxes with players and you got to pick uh, from that box. What I think is interesting is they have given you, they've named all the, the boxes kind of after uh, athletic hockey show hosts and you have the top billing inside yeah. your box the mac and do box is connor mcdavid and nate mckinnon that's it yeah. you only have two guys how did you I, get top billing see i'm not sure on the one hand i feel you know I'm, I'm i'm thrilled that i got top billing but also they gave me the box with only two guys like what does that say about their confidence in my decision making skills yeah. that they're like no you know everyone else can handle a half dozen but this guy we got to dumb it down to to two guys uh and it's I, I would say probably a pretty obvious pick too. Uh, although, you know, McDavid versus McKinnon, you got to look at the scoring system and all of that. Um, I think most people are going to be taking Connor McDavid here, but there is a little bit of game theory that kicks in where you're going, you know what? Injuries happen, weird stuff happens. If everybody takes McDavid and I take McKinnon and something happens to Connor McDavid, I've won the pool because I'm going to have this, this huge advantage over everyone. Um, it's, yeah, it's, you know, well, I, I'm interested to see where people go on that, but I think my box, and, and by the way, we got to talk about the naming here because this McIndoo's meal, I don't, and they've given everybody like, uh, you know, their, their own kind of cute name. And I, I don't know about that one. I, I don't know that I've got anything much better, but it's, uh, how about McIndoo's Mac attack? How does that sound? Cause it's McDavid McKinnon, McIndoo, yeah. right? That's, I That's mean, that, right that feels better than, yeah, the, the meal. I don't know. I don't know about that, but, uh, yeah, I, I did, uh, you know, I appreciate having the two, the two, uh, best players in the league, uh, for sure. Now, will you be like me as you go through and we're going to make our picks in the next few days here. If you're debating between a couple of players and it's really a flip of the coin, will you potentially, uh, take the guy with the better pun name so that you can name your fantasy team? See, that's a, a veteran pun. move. Yeah, yeah you've got to see because, I mean, you got to have at least one guy for a pun. And if you can combine multiple guys and get, uh, you know, it, it, yeah, you have to consider that. Absolutely. You got to, it's it's <laughs> like, it's like putting a team together. You got to have guys in the right role. And some of the guys, their role is just going to be contribute to the pun name. I'm going to try to come up with something good. I'm sure other people will, but the pressure's on you because this is, this is your home turf. This is uh the the mendez uh, pun pun headlines have been legendary for for decades now so we gotta uh the expectations are high yeah so again go to officepools.com you're going to uh, just kind of get the opportunity to uh join the athletic hockey pool and uh you're gonna go head to head with us and, and and pick those names you know we we got a we got a good one here um Tell me if you like this. We got some feedback into the show talking about bad pool names. A listener wrote in and said, hey, with Ian's love of awful fantasy team names, I'd like to share mine. It's not as much of a pun, uh, but my fantasy team in my league uh, this year is Wes McCauley Culkin. 
Okay. Not bad. That's West not bad. Macaulay Culkin That's pretty is good. pretty good. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll take that. That's yeah. all right. Because I, I can't think of too many guys who have their team name named after Wes Macaulay, right? And, you know, well, probably not. And, you know, we could all picture Wes Macaulay doing the Home Alone scream, like as a penalty call one time. Just, you know, just <laughs> rather than, than that, just go full Wes. And, uh, yeah, that'll be how he signals no goal on the next uh, next replay review. See, now I'm already thinking about drafting Dylan Strom so I could have Strom alone. There it is. And then, See, already the go. wheels are turning. The wheels are this slowly is, turning. This could happen. Uh, so check it out. Again, officepools.com, a great partnership we have. We're going to have fun with that. Hey, quick question for you because you've done uh, you've done a lot of uh, the legwork as a commissioner in a fantasy football league, and there's obviously a lot of people who are commissioners of uh, fantasy hockey leagues. Tell me, what's the toughest thing? I'm going to give you a couple of options. Maybe it's okay. something different, okay? Yep. What's the toughest thing about being a fantasy sports commissioner? Okay, the, the the things on the list here would be like you know just trying to set up a draft date that works for everybody that can be tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, tracking down money like hey, just a reminder, fifty dollars, like you know, and then you have to send it like seven times. Or is it once the season starts and you get an email for like a trade that you have to approve or deny? Uh, like what's the toughest thing and the worst thing about being a commissioner of a fantasy sports league? Yeah, that's uh, th- those are three good picks. I'm going to go with the draft date one because that that bites me every year. You, you send out the email. Hey, guys, we need to start thinking about draft dates. You know, this is the range. Anybody got any nights they can't do it? Anybody, you know, going to be away? And you get no response. Nobody replies. And you, okay, I'm narrowing it down. What about these two nights? Okay, yeah. speak now or for, okay, no. All right, we're doing it Monday, 8 o'clock, and instantly you hit send, and you got four emails in your box, people going, I actually can't do it that night. I got a thing. I got this. I got another draft. I got whatever. And it just it makes you want to tear your hair out. So that that's up there. I, in in my football league uh, and, and any league that I'm going to run, um, I always have the rule, we don't, we don't do voting on trades. That's something. I know that's controversial for some people. I, I can't stand leagues where, you know, you and I make a trade and then the rest of the league gets to vote on whether that's a good yeah. trade or not. Yeah. If we're, if there's, you know, if, if, if we're got some sort of under the table deal or there, you know, it's a, it's a super unfair deal, then let the commissioner step in and, you know, figure out what's going on. But this idea that like our rivals can say like, Ooh, I don't know about that. That makes Ian's team a little too good. I'm going to vote no on this and, and not let it happen. Get rid of that. So I, I don't, I don't deal with that. We, we just let everything go through and it, it tends to work itself out and chasing down money that can be dicey. Here's here's the key on that. You got to be able to turn off people's ability to change their lineups or pick up guys on waivers, that sort of thing. Hey, if you haven't paid by week two, I'm turning off your waivers and you can enjoy playing the rest of the year with with the guys you're stuck with. That tends to get people's attention uh, if you need to do it. But uh, generally, I don't know. I Most of my leagues are, are guys that have been doing it for a long time. So we tend to be pretty good, except when it comes to that draft date, which is a nightmare every single year. Yeah, and hey, a reminder, this is a really fun contest, but there's also a chance for you to win some cool prizes, uh, you know, PS5 or an Xbox, some autographed uh, jerseys, NHL jerseys. Uh, monthly winners are going to get signed NHL pucks. So it's going to be a lot of fun. You just get one team uh, per entry. So if you if we find out that you had multiple teams, you're going to get disqualified. Yep. But, Ian's going to uh, come to your house with Mackenzie Weger, and they're going yeah. to have a chat with you. Yeah. <laughs> the Barhaven. That's where we live. That's the part of Ottawa bar- we live in, Barhaven. Our uh, heaven bullies are going to show up and uh, <laughs> yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah. And by the way, by the, if 
get a look at the list. And then I would also love to hear your feedback on some of the naming. I, I'm open to ideas on some of these category names too, because, uh, you know, this is, some of them are good. And then there's the rest of them. Yeah. Again, go to officepools.com, sign up, join that athletic hockey pool, make your picks. And uh, like I said, you're going to win some fantastic prizes. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, time to wrap up this episode of the podcast as we always do by doing a little mailbag and a little This Week in Hockey History. I, a reminder to you, you can hit us up at theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com. Theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com is where you can get us uh, with an email. We got a few here. Alex says, hey, if you could rename all of the trophies with names from players that retired... Um, between, this is interesting, between 1981 and 2011, okay? Um, who would you take here? Uh, he says there's obvious ones. Gretzky for, uh, would you have a Wayne Gretzky Memorial Trophy as the MVP? Bobby Orr Memorial Trophy for Best Defenseman. Interested in your choices. The only thing I'd say is that like, Bobby Orr technically doesn't fit into your, yeah. your window there, Alex. But I, I know what you're trying to and say. Like, if can, you, can we also point out that Wayne Gretzky and Bobby Orr are both still alive? So we don't... The, the memorial trophy. Oh, geez. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you know what? I didn't even realize. Sorry. <laughs> that's not Rush either of these yeah, guys. Yeah, exactly. Not, we're not breaking any Gretz, news here. Gretz is on the TNT panel now. He's going to find out what? There's a memorial yeah. trophy for me. So, <laughs> but like if you were doing like, let's say, okay, let's go to the Selkie trophy. Like, is that Guy Carboneau? Is it Bob Gainey? Is it I like Gary Gary Lettman? No, no. It, it. I mean, it has to, there's, there's two ways you go with the Selkie. You, you got to either go Gainey because- as everyone will tell you, the trophy was basically invented for him. Um, or if you don't feel like Bob Ganey is a big enough name to have a trophy named after him, then I, I guess you have to go. I mean, do you do like a like a Steve Eiserman or a Ron Francis, one of those guys who won it kind of later in their careers? Um, you know, we're we're a few years away from being able to call it the Bergeron, which maybe would be be the best choice of all down the road. Um, but I think it's it's probably you're gonna you're gonna end up with the old timers wanting it Gainey, and then the other guys maybe I might go Eiserman, even though I I know he wasn't a good defensive player for the start of his career, but he really was at the end. Um, and uh, you know it it also he's he's the sort of generational star that you 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 wouldn't mind seeing recognized in this. You know the one trophy that would be almost impossible to rename would be the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. Like, what would you do with that? Yeah, because, that's a good point. Like, yeah. what would you do? Like, did Jim Carrey win the, the Rookie of the Year and the Vezina, or just one? Just oh, the Vezina? Oh, boy. Yeah, I think it was, ah. he won the Vezina in his second year, but he may have won did Calder he win as well. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. 
We yeah, there have been definitely some guys that did not hold up super well. I mean, you you know what you could do with the Calder is you call the Solani, right? Because that's a guy right. who had an all-time rookie year and also had the career to, to back it up where you'd, you'd feel okay. Um, Mike Boss, you'd be another one that uh, I think you could you could do. But yeah, you're right. That's uh, that's That would be a tough one. Okay, one other question here from Mike Polk. Mike has uh, written into us at the athletic hockey show gmail.com and says, Hey guys, what happens if Dwayne Rollison does not get hurt in game one of the 2006 Stanley cup final led, of course, that miscue that led to the Canes winning goal. They ultimately won the Stanley cup. How different would things be for Carolina and Edmonton? If maybe Dwayne Rollison doesn't get hurt. It's a great question. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's a sure thing that, Edmonton wins that series with Dwayne, Dwayne Rollison, but um, you know the the injury did lead directly to the goal that, uh, that that ended up being the winning goal in Game One. If that game goes to overtime, who knows? Maybe Carolina still wins, but you know you're looking at a real close, tight series, and Edmonton didn't have its its number one goalie. And and people got to remember that 2006 Edmonton team. A lot of people pointed them as being like this great dark horse Cinderella underdog run because they were the eighth seed uh but they were actually they were a very bad team most of the year got Dwayne Rollison and suddenly were very good so I yeah. mean he really was the probably the MVP of that team aside from Chris Pronger so yeah maybe Edmonton wins the cup you know what happens yeah I mean from an Edmonton perspective what's interesting is all the stuff that came after probably still happens because Pronger probably still wants out, even with the Stanley Cup, you suspect. Um, and that kind of was the domino that that tipped them into the decade of darkness. But is it really that dark if you've got a Stanley Cup that recently, you know, in, in the cap era? Maybe it does kind of change the feelings around the team. Maybe it uh, at least changes the the vibe for that fan base. And instead of talking about them being one of the longest suffering fan bases anywhere, you know, maybe we're still at least going, ah, you guys got that. Got that Stanley Cup in 2006 in Carolina. Who knows, right? I mean, who knows even uh, as, you know, from the perspective of building the fan base and everything, does it change significantly if they go to game seven of a final instead of win? Yeah, maybe, maybe it does. Um, and and probably also changes a few legacies as, as far as the players involved. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a real interesting uh, what if to, to throw out there. Okay, let's wrap up uh, this edition of the Athletic Hockey Show with something we do on Thursday podcast, which is a little This Week in Hockey History. So 30 years ago this week, we take you back, take our listeners back to September 27th, 1991. The LA Kings and the uh, New York Rangers played an outdoor game in very hot weather. It was like 80 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. Uh, it was the Kings and the Rangers, an outdoor game at Caesars Palace, basically like the parking lot of Caesars Palace. They make an, uh, an arena out there, ice surface, and they play a game. A couple of questions for you. First of all, the only, so I, I have a vague recollection of this game. The only thing I seem to remember, did Kelly Rudy wear like a, like a, a camera on top of his helmet? Do you remember this? He may have. Yeah. yeah that that's does the only thing like I remember. something they would do. Yeah. Yeah. Was, uh, it, well, it, here's the thing there, it, it was a memorable game. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of become almost the forgotten outdoor game because, right. you know, it's, it, it, it's a lot of people look back and they go, you know, the heritage classic, that was the first outdoor game. And it wasn't, there was this, and there were some other 
there were some other outdoor games earlier in NHL history where uh, teams just went various places, including one where I think it was the Bruins. Uh, teams used to, at the end of the season, go on these little tours where they would just go around and play other teams um, before they yeah. packed up for the year. And the Bruins went one place and it was like, oh, hey, uh, I know we told you we had an arena, but it's not we're not finished building it yet. So it doesn't have a roof. So they played an outdoor game because there was no roof on the arena, that, that sort of thing. Um, but this one was, yeah, but at, in Las Vegas in September, which is not, you know, it's it. Yeah, it was eighty degrees. Hot, yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I think a lot of people look at that and go, "Wait a second, you're eighty degrees in nineteen ninety one. How did they pull this off?" And the answer is, they barely did. Uh, there were all sorts of problems. Um, they did uh, for one of the problems was that. They didn't, um, for some reason, they didn't paint the lines on the ice. They used like a fabric across and then put the ice over it. So the ice was starting to melt. And then you had these patches where like if you went across the blue line, you hit this fabric and like guys would just, you know, trip or, or fall down or whatever. The ice was obviously a mess. It was it was miserable. And then there was also like an invasion of, I don't know if they were locusts or there was some sort of bug that was coming and kept jumping onto the ice. And what was happening is, you know, as you know, if, if, you know, if you've seen how hockey rinks will work sometimes is the ice kind of sits in halfway between melted and frozen and it'll, you know, it'll melt as play goes a little bit and then it'll freeze back up uh, because of the cold coming up. And so these bugs were like jumping onto the ice into the water and then the water would freeze and these bugs were like trapped on the ice surface. And some of the players described like you're skating and you can hear the crunches under your skates as you're skating over this insect infestation. It, I mean, it was a real mess. It, you can find it on YouTube, by the way. It's um, there. There's a few uh, highlights out there. Um, it, it's it's a. Early '90s hockey, Rangers, Kings. Uh, it's this is I think right before the Messier trade, so he's not in it. But uh, there's there's like a fight at some point. I think it's Chris King gets in a fight, and uh, it's it's a real interesting thing to see. Um, but you know, it, it, if you're looking at it, going, why didn't they do this again for 12 years? That's why they uh, it it didn't really work the way that they were hoping it might. You know, we need to turn this podcast into one of those visual things where we sit down, we just watch the game, and we just make yep. comments over things like that's that's insane. Yeah, there was like it's, fabric it's, under yeah. the under the ice, and it was just one of those things where you know, like they not, and, and then the you know the other great thing is it's nineteen ninety one. How many other fan bases never even heard of this? Like you're like, oh, I was a hockey fan in ninety one. I don't remember anything about this. These days, it would be right. you know, it's a big thing. We'd all be making jokes about locusts on uh, on Twitter. Uh, and I'm willing to bet there's a lot of even older fans who are hearing this story for the first time right now. Yeah, let me sneak one more in, too. Let's take our uh, listeners all the way back to September 28th, 1929. So if I'm not mistaken, like this is just before the stock market. Cra I think the stock market crash of 1929 happened in October, right? So this is like a okay. couple of weeks before the what world. What are you implying? No, no, this... I'm just I'm just saying this is just before the world went uh, to hell. It was okay. October of 1929. Just before that, though, the NHL implemented a very important rule change that stated that players were now permitted to pass the puck forward in all three zones. That's right. Mm -hmm. Prior to this, what fans probably don't realize is that if you got over the blue line and you were in the other team's zone, you were not allowed to make a forward pass in the attacking zone, which is... 
it, it's 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 crazy when you think about it. Like mm. like in the 1920s, they were just all drop passes. Like yeah, this, that's a very old timey sports rule, right? Because yeah. you know, it's like American football was the same way. Rugby still, uh, where it's yeah, you didn't you didn't pass it forward. That was cheating. You had to uh, you had to carry it in. And yeah, this is again this. Uh, there is we've we've talked about it and maybe even kind of complained about it, but there is a reason why the NHL wants you to think that history started with the original six in 1942, and they kind of ignore the first 25 years of history of the NHL that that actually started in 1917. It's partly because of stuff like this. The, the rules were all over the place. Uh, scoring was all over the place, up and down with, with different stuff. Goalies weren't allowed to drop to the ice. Uh, teams were coming and going and going on strike and getting kicked out of the league right before the playoffs. And it was just 25 years of chaos before we got some relative stability. Uh, and that's kind of where the NHL wants you to, to think we started. But yeah, there, there was a lot of years in the NHL where the forward pass was not legal um, everywhere on the ice. And then somebody thought, you know what? Because because you look at like scoring rates in the 20s and the goal, I mean, you you think we're in a dead puck era now. Like that was the era of one nothing games. And finally somebody was like, hey guys, a crazy thought here, but forward pass maybe. And, and they tried have, that and it <laughs> Wouldn't you love out. to have been at that meeting? It's like, yeah. I don't know, like some rando like Jack Adams or someone's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Jack. What, what's your idea? Uh, guys, hear me out on this. Hey, yeah. what if we uh, what if we allowed forward passing? Whoa, that's crazy. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. And you know, there was some guy who was like, "This is not how we've ever done it." Yeah, we have to. This league has been around for twelve years, and we can't just start putting in crazy that's ideas now. Right. You know, there's some some fan somewhere was like, "I'm not watching anymore." If you change that, but anyways, that I I just want to point out for everyone that uh, you know Ian Mendez, you heard it from him. The NHL implemented the forward pass, and then the entire world economy went to hell uh, immediately after. So that's, yeah, I, Ian's 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 not saying he's just he's just I'm, saying. I'm just I'm not saying I'm just saying. But I feel like it was like so. September twenty eighth, nineteen twenty nine, is when they did this. I feel like within a month, the uh, the world's economy collapsed. I think it draw was like draw your own conclusions. Yeah, exactly. There you go. All you guys who want to make the nets bigger, this is this is what you're toying with. This is yeah. what could happen. Alrighty, listen, this was a ton of fun. Uh, as always, hit us up with any comments that you have. Uh, the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 845-445-8459. Sean, this was a ton of fun. Uh, looking forward to doing it again next week. And uh, say hi to Mackenzie Weger's parents for me if you see them. I absolutely Sean. will. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get out on my, uh, on my front porch and wave at them. Yeah. And a reminder, too, if you're not a subscriber uh, with us, you can join us right now on the print side of things, uh, theathletic.com slash hockey show. You'll get a 50% off your annual subscription.